good day and welcome to today's edition of the UEFA Champions League podcast for today, Thursday, the 4th of August 2022. Wherever you are listening to this episode from, whether you are in the USA, on the African continent, Americas, Asia, Europe, and Oceania, welcome to your most exciting, informative, and educative sports show on the calling platform. Also available post recording on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify with yours truly, Philip Alimo. And I've got immense love for sports and undoubtedly the greatest club competition on earth, the UEFA Champions League. On today's episode, we will be discussing and previewing the 2022-2023 football season, the German Bundesliga, the English Premier League, the French League One, kicks off this weekend we will also dissect no battery please we'll also dissect the notable transfers and managerial changes of some of the notable european leagues with me as always to do the discussions is mr justin akowa justin welcome to the show Thank you for having me on the show tonight. And uh, what has been your 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 biggest observation throughout the preseason for the various clubs? Well, um, my only observation is simply it has been a very short um, preseason um, because of the incorporation of the World Cup from mid-November to mid-December and I think it has hampered a lot of teams in terms of their preparation and the only way to get ahead of the other teams is to actually come in a bit earlier than um, required and, and and put in the work so that's usually around coming before the beginning of July if you would want to play lots of matches and actually um, test your team and be able to train a bit more so that has been the simple observation um, underlying observation with all the teams and their preparation towards the 2022-2023 season Ken, speaking of that uh, salient observation do you think it's going to have a toll on the fitness of the players and um, uh, uh, their uh, health as far as the start of the season is concerned and building up to the World Cup later on in November. Um, about that, I do know. I do not really think it plays a factor now because um, this season, this is the this is the first preseason in a long while where there hasn't been any um, continental um, um, continental football for um, each of each of the continents under FIFA, and that has been quite helpful for the players because they've been they've gotten enough rest aside the aside the um aside the international break that was actually in the FIFA calendar around late May, early June. Um they've had um adequate rest. Probably for me they could have had more if that's if sorry, if that international break wasn't incorporated. But then um the point still stands that they've not had a major international tournament this summer and that has helped them a lot and probably probably um will be will be in the way of probably wouldn't um will actually give the players more rest than usual and and hopefully they'll be able to exert and actually show us um what they can do on probably close to hundred percent energy and a hundred percent good rest. Awesome. Speaking of energy and rest, some of the players have indeed taken rest from the respective leagues that they've played for and to seek new challenges elsewhere. And um, some of the notable uh, transfers this season is Ellen Allen to Manchester City, 
Julian Alvarez to Manchester City, Davin Nunes, Liverpool, Sterling Chelsea, Rafina, Barcelona, Sergio Mane, FC Bayern Munich, Lukaku, Inter Milan, Richardson, uh, Postmouth, Di Maria, Juventus, Tuameni, Real Madrid, uh, Kessi, Barcelona, Pogba, Juventus, Adeyemi for Borussia Dortmund, Phillips for Manchester City, Gabriel Jesus, Arsenal, Koulibaly from Napoli to Chelsea, Lewandowski, Barcelona, Eriksen, Manchester United, Christensen, Barcelona, Rudiger, Real Madrid, Vitina, PSG, Minamino, Monaco, Sebastian Allen, Borussia Dortmund, and Martinez, Manchester United. We will be coming into detail in terms of the top transfers in the respective leagues. But first, let me get the reactions of Justin and what he makes of these transfers. I mean, for me, this summer has been this summer has been quite active. Lots of, um, I believe that this summer has been quite unusual than than most summer transfer windows because of a lot of activity from the clubs, from people who are being termed as sleeping giants, from for people who are also termed as catching up with their new with their with their with a new style or with the modern way of. Um, of playing football so then you can see that there has been a lot of investment and there has been willingness to actually pump money into their teams in terms of um, acquisitions for 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 the teams heading into the season so i believe that this transfer season has been crazy um from germany from um, the spanish la liga and also from the english premier league because it looks like everyone Everyone has to strengthen, and if if they if they do not strengthen, as um, as even the minimum requirements of top teams making top four would even seem very very difficult to achieve. So then, it has been a, it has it, it has been a crazy summer. But as you know, the media is also playing their their role in it to probably sometimes they heighten the fears and also uh, make up some narratives with which, for me, I believe that doesn't disclose the full the full understanding behind some transfers. So I believe that it has been a normal transfer um by and and for me the media has also played their role naturally and uh, making it look like a very crazy frenzy out there in Europe this season. The media has made it look like a crazy frenzy this season. And speaking of crazy frenzy, yesterday Brighton came out to debunk rumors of a notable transfer to Chelsea. What do you make of that? Just a brief reaction from you. Well, for me, I believe that things 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 like that aren't necessarily needed. You do not you do not really need a disclaimer actually to debunk um an an agreement because it seems it seems like now teams are actually doing it for the social media interactions in 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 order to gain traction, in order to also gain following on their social media platforms. So I believe that for this, this was a, a PR stunt that was that was that actually played in the hands of Brighton. Actually, um, for me, this this has been the most this has been the most interactions they've had on any Twitter post. I've probably seen them post. So I believe that. It did it did it did work well for them but then for me i believe that was quite unnecessary those were the remarks of our able studio analyst and uh, we will be going straight to germany where bayern munich beat rb leipzig 5-3 in the dfl super cup to mark off the stats of the 2022 2023 season and Sergio Mane wasted no time to make his mark in Germany. Let's take excerpts of that game and we'll come back to the studios to pick the reactions of Justin. And look at Sadio Mane! 
Musiala and Müller trying to work something here. Ball of a Kordmeister, and there's the third goal for Jamal Pavard. It's for Nkunku to deliver for Leipzig. And that was a very, very good header. Good looking pass, and Thomas Müller's in. Well, that's it on the side, but it's Gabby! Here is Christopher Nkunku for Leipzig, who takes the high road. This is promising for Leipzig. Danny Olmo gets the shot in. It's not finished yet. But wait a minute, at the other end, Levi Zane, seemingly with the freedom of the Red Bull Arena. Is he going to finish? Yes! And that puts the information mark on it for Bayern. Bayern are the Super Cup winners again. Super Bayern in 2022. Because Leipzig, I think, showed at times that Bayern can be vulnerable. Looking away to my right, can see that many of the Leipzig fans are still here. And the Leipzig players. These games, there might be one or two who are a bit fed up. They didn't play or didn't get any, any minutes on the pitch. So that was the moment... FC Bayern Munich trashed RB Leipzig 5-3 and uh, Bayern Munich's dominance in the league is definitely very, very strong and undoubted. And they've been winners of the Bundesliga over the past two decades. From 2002-2003 season, Bayern Munich won the league 2003-2004 Borussia Mönchengladbach 2004-2005 Bayern Munich 2005-2006 Bayern Munich 2006-2007 Stuttgart 2007-2008 Bayern Munich were winners again 2008-2009 Wolfsburg won it 2009-2010 Bayern Munich were winners again 2010-2011 Borussia Dortmund won it. 2011 to 2012, Borussia Dortmund were winners. From 2012-2013 up until last season, Bayern Munich have been winners of the German Bundesliga. This season, they begin their campaign with a home away to Frankfurt, Eintracht Frankfurt. But first, we'll pick the reactions of Justin, what he makes of the inclusion of Sergio Mani in the team and their performance in the DFL Super Cup. Um, thank you. And for me, I believe that Bayern, um, as usual, did most of their business quickly. And uncharacteristically, they made actually a very big buy. That was for Matthias Delict, former captain of Ajax and former Juventus defender for around 70 million euros. And um, reported um, reportedly, Delict has been um, has been a very um, great supporter of Bayern since he was little, and also had a gentleman's agreement with him in 2019. So that was what facilitated it. That was what influenced this move. And I and for me, I believe that Bayern and for me, I believe that Bayern actually have done well. Hassan Salihamidzic, um, as well as Oliver Kahn. They have worked well behind the scenes to actually um, try and try and try and make the team feel a bit fresh again to be able to cover for some places. Even though, even though, even though Bayern are actually um, trying to wrap up the deal for RB Leipzig midfielder Conrad Leimer, I believe that Bayern have done well in terms of um, grabbing Matthias Tell from Stadrin, um Ryan Gravenberg, and Nusse Mazraoui from Ajax, and and for and and for Sadio Mane, he needs no mention. Um, now, now he is he has won another he has won another award for the African best player yet again, and that shows you the kind of pedigree Bayern have brought into their side after losing Lewandowski. And as Julian Nagelsmann um, said, um, for for him, he doesn't think that Mane is only a winger, but he's also a striker. And, and if you know, for Southampton and even for Liverpool, um, he has been playing. He has been playing um, 
an SS rule, that's the rule of a second striker um, once in a while. So then that shows the kind of ability that Mane has. And in the and at um, nearing nearing the end of his career, Mane would probably be more influential um, right up front than on the wings because he, he probably would have lost a little bit of his pace and his and his and his dribbling ability, but then his tenacity and his resilience, his strength in front of goal. And even though he misses a lot by then, you know that he actually takes on the shots and he takes up responsibility no matter how no matter how bad he is doing. And that is the sign of actually a good forward who doesn't give up. And for me, I believe that is a sign in that it's probably going to help Bayern in the long run. As long as as long as uh, money is supposed um, um, will be fit for the whole season and also they will actually help out um this the 17-year-old um attacker that was bought from Stadrin Matthias Tell because he has he hasn't even had two hundred minutes in senior football um at Ren but then Bayern I believe will actually put him on a pedestal and actually ease him in slowly for him to also have a quite influential season when called upon. And, and and for me, I believe that Bayern actually played well, but then they still need lots of work in terms of their defending because it was a brilliant second half from Leipzig and it almost got out of Bayern's hands if they weren't very, very careful. So I believe that for me, that is what I think about Bayern heading into the new season. And uh, heading into the new season, Bayern Munich have been very dominant in the German Bundesliga over the years. Do you think this season will be different or it will still be a repetition of what we know in the past? Well, it depends on it depends on a lot of things. It depends on how it, it depends on how they are able to pick up because um if you notice when Bayern went went through some parts of last season suffering injuries, they they actually they tend to concede a lot. And even you could tell that they were very light in midfield at a point last season to the extent that um, Julian Nagelsmann um, actually operated um, Jamal Musiala as part of a pivot right by Joshua Kimmich. And for such a brilliant attacker like him, um, even though he'll be he'll be fairly decent in, in central midfield, that isn't his best position. So then he would actually lack a bit of intensity in the middle and and for me, it actually depends on buying um, the the availability of their players. If they are fit all season and they are they are actually very very they actually focused and they probably defend better. I think that they would they would actually go through the season without considering lots of goals like um like last season when they had a free game against Mönchengladbach where they lost um by about five goals to one. So then. It all depends on Nagelsmann and his players, and even and and even now you you could tell that there has been some injury doubts concerning their new right back recruitment in Nusser Mazraoui. So that goes to show how Bayern need need to get ahead of this and actually try and prep their players and be um, as as available as possible throughout the 2022-2023 season if they want to retain the league again this time. And do you think? They will miss the absence of Robert Lewandowski. Definitely, um, I believe that Lewandowski will be a big miss. But then you can, but then you know that even 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 without his goals, um, Bayern can still operate. Maybe not as efficiently as they would want, but then they would they will still be operating on a high level. Um, as you can tell, Serge Gnabry. For me, has been quite clinical in front of in front of goal, and he also needs a big season. Um, they will count on money. They will count on um, Thomas Muller, their leader. Also, um, they will count on um, Coleman as well as Leroy Sane, who has come under a, a lot of criticisms, and he was reportedly offered to some big teams this season. So then, it is it is it is onto these five attackers to actually to actually raise their level in terms of how they'll be able to fill the void of Lewandowski because Lewandowski used to score a lot by then. For me, in in the big games, it was it was time for the Bayern role players to, to step up and Lewandowski actually helped them. So then I believe that if 
they start operating like how they operate in the big games throughout the whole season, I think Bayern will be covered. Bayern will be covered throughout the whole season. And would that be the same for other teams? Can you give us what will be your ideal top four prediction in the Bundesliga and which player you think at the end of the season would emerge as a top scorer for the German Bundesliga? Well, I know you don't like predictions, but this is just for the start of the season and for the purposes of our audience, at least to know what your opinions are. Well, for me, I believe that Bayern will be um, obviously in the top four. Um, Borussia Dortmund will be in the top four as well because they made a lot of brilliant acquisitions all around the team um, because because you, you can tell that they have been suffering a lot um, all around, but then they seem to have it covered now. And even with that, one of their signings is going through a very, very bad um, medical condition. But it, I believe that they can make top four. I believe that R, R, um, R, RB Leipzig um, can also make top four because they've actually done well. Um, Domenico Tedesco has done well to actually keep hold of his players and actually added some good players um, in the name of David Raum, and um, he's a brilliant left back, left wing back from Hoffenheim, who actually, um, for me, has been one of the best, one of the best revelations from last season. And statistically, he has created the highest amount of um, expected assists in the top five European leagues. So that that is that is quite a brilliant coup for um, Domenico Tedesco and his men. And also, they have brought in another good midfielder. Um, in the in the name of Shagla from Wolfsburg, for for me he's a very tough and actually robust midfielder that's actually going to improve um, Leipzig's chances. And they've been able to keep hold of Christopher Nkunku as well as Josko Gavardio. So then you can tell that these people mean business, and hopefully, hopefully they can also make a tougher push. And for me, I believe that maybe the last the the, the last place will be. Between um, will be between either Leverkusen or Mönchengladbach or probably Freiburg if Freiburg can also make another good push again because you can tell that they've made quite some good investments and hopefully um, these three teams will actually battle it out for the fourth um, place sports in Germany. Thank you so much, Justin, for that succinct submissions just before. We begin preview of the English Premier League. Let me give our audience this summer's most expensive signing. Tuameni moved from Monaco to Real Madrid for $88 million. And second on our list is Darwin Nunes, who moved from Benfica to Liverpool for $82 million. And third on our list is Delight, who moved from Juventus to Bayern Munich for $73.7 million. Ellen Allen, who is fourth, also fourth most expensive signing this summer, also moved from Borussia Dortmund to Manchester City for $66 million. Richardson, fifth most expensive signing this summer, moved from Everton to Tottenham for $63.8 million. Rafina, sixth, on the list, moved from Leeds United to Barcelona for $63.8 million. And Lisandro Martinez, with seventh most expensive signing for this summer, moved from Ajax to Manchester United for $63.1 million. And eighth most expensive signing for this summer is Raheem Sterling, who moved from Manchester City to Chelsea for $61.8 million. And ninth most expensive signing for this summer is Gabriel Jesus, who also moved from Manchester City to Arsenal for $54.4 million. And 10th on the list is Jules Condi, who moved from Sevilla to Barcelona for $55 million. And Calvin Phillips, with 11th most expensive signing for this summer, also moved from Leeds United to Manchester City for $53.6 million. And 12th most expensive signing for this summer is Robert Lewandowski, who moved from Bayern Munich to Barcelona 
for 49.5 million dollars remember the summer transfer window is still open and closes midnight the 31st of august central european time and for some also it goes all the way to the first and second and third day of the month of september meanwhile we will switch to the fa community shield in england remember the premier league also kicks off tomorrow the 5th of august 2022 and darwin nunes was on target as liverpool beat manchester city 3-1 to win the community shield darwin nunes scored late on as liverpool beat manchester city to win the fa community shield trent alexander arnold gave the reds the early lead but new signing julian Alvarez pulled one back with 20 minutes to go it looked like it was ending for penalties before ruben diaz handled in the box with mohammed salah converting the penalty and nundes heading home in other time to confirm close first silverware of the season and also ensuring that jogging club won is most recent silverware and has swept every domestic trophy that is available in england that is such a brilliant achievement for the german tactician let's go straight to wembley and take excerpts of that game spreading the play with a really well-weighted pass there's no flag here on salah just his sort of territory salah has he got the finish no he hasn't first good chance though and it's come courtesy of a beautiful raking ball from fabinho scored goals against city like this before the egyptian not that time to Robertson well, so often they make that full back to full back connection work Boss enjoyed it just loitering round the back Andy Robertson he was onside too another one of those delicate Thiago balls Salah Alexander-Arnold goal Took a deflection on its way through. Liverpool strike first. By the deadly right boot of Trent Alexander-Arnold. Been the better side in this first half. They've created more openings. City didn't close him down. It's flicked off the head of Aki. And Edison, who might well have had it covered in fairness, was beaten. here for City, Bernardo Silva looks for Haaland and he's found him too great strength well that was his moment Adrian made sure he had his moment, here's Mares. City waking into this contest Rodri out to Bernardo Silva again, oh brilliant goal, Haaland's had another chance Mares on the follow up well two big openings seconds apart for City's new front man here you saw his muscle, but not the finish. Going with his preferred left boot again, second time around. It's up rather than in. Substitute Nunez onto that quickly. This is Henderson. Nunez again! Saved by Edison. Big save. Not sure how much he knew about it. Bernardo into Alvarez. Harlan finds Kevin De Bruyne. Foden with his hand up, wants it and gets it, but can't finish it. Adrian is there, but Alvarez is there and it's in. But the flag is up. Another debutant denied. They're having a look, and well, they might, because this was very tight. 
and the goal has been given City are level and what a moment for Julian Alvarez his first goal for the club it's 1-1 So that was the moment Liverpool won this year's Community Shield. And it was their first Community Shield in about 16 years. Justin, what are your assertions? Well, I believe that what happened was was exactly the fair result because um, Liverpool, Liverpool arrived earlier than or they reported earlier than Manchester City for um, pre-season and, and Liverpool have played five um, five um, pre-season games. If you include the competition, it will be six. And as compared to Manchester City, who have played just two um, pre-season games, maybe if you add the competition for which I add is 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 their third pre-season game. And, and for me, comparing... These two teams, in terms of preparation, Liverpool were far ahead. Um, Liverpool went to Thailand. Liverpool also went to their favorite place of um, recuperation and preseason training. That's Austria. That's probably one of the best places in terms of you keeping your fitness and everything in the Alps. Because once you work in the Alps, you'll be jogging. You'll be um, you you actually you actually cycle and and everything. And I mean. That actually helps Liverpool keep up their intensity in terms of um, when 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 they are when they are initiating a press on the field. So then you could tell from this game that Liverpool were the more prepared side. And as 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 usual, it is the same thing for Manchester City. They start slowly. They start slowly every season, and actually, they actually they actually come into their stride eventually. But then, um, I believe that. The result was fair, and congratulations to Liverpool. And speaking of Liverpool and their performance throughout the tenure of the German coach, that is Jürgen Klopp, Liverpool have won the Premier League after 30 years, the UEFA Champions League after 14 years, the UEFA Super Cup after 14 years, the Community Shield after 16 years, the FA Cup after 16 years and the league cup after 10 years and the fifa club world cup for the first time ever justin do you think jogging club has had a strong impact on liverpool compared to any other liverpool manager 
in the last decade and over? Well, I mean, yeah, um, he does. It is, I think, for me, it is um, unparalleled in terms of the success Liverpool have experienced. And probably he'll be he'll be up there with Bill Shankly and and the other the other coaches who had the long the longevity and the success that it came with it. And for and yes, and you know, Liverpool, Liverpool probably since before Klopp took charge. They were they, they actually went through their um they, they went through their lows like how um Manchester United went through and even um AC Milan and they have they actually came up organically. They they came back up um, organically making economic signings, shrewd signings and making these signings look very, very well or play very, very well in an optimized system. And it goes to show that Klopp and his people from um, his as former assistants to, uh, from Bouvac to Pep Lindis and as well as um, Michael Edwards, their former sporting director, shows how well Liverpool have come and the progress they've made. So it's massive respect to them and it is great that Klopp has actually brought back the winning culture and the culture of the culture of continuous success again and hopefully they'll be able to maintain it this season too and uh, what are your assertions or your opinions on the latest signings for liverpool do you think david nunes would rise up to a signing on fee and live up to the mark and others also say he would provide liverpool the needed cushion not to even feel the absence of senegalese talisman Sergio Mane, what are your assessments? Well, it's well for me. My assessment, looking at this kind of signing, is is quite simple because I feel like he wouldn't he he, he wouldn't feel he wouldn't necessarily feel what um they they were missing in Sadio Mane. But then I believe that he also will impact his he will also impact it he also impact the team in a great way because. Um, with the with 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 the with the new generation strikers now, you can you can you can tell that they actually do not look that comfortable on on the ball. And I believe that if they can get Dunes working in the in the penalty box of the opponent, he'll be way more effective and actually score more than than he usually does. And I believe that um, he is he's a kind of signing that would need a little bit of time and patience to actually um get into the game because there's a lot there's a lot of physicality but then i believe that he has great movements and for the kind of creation that salah gives for the kind of creation that trent alexander arnold gives um andrew robertson and even thiago or fabinho when did when they want to i believe that darwin nunes would eventually actually rise up to the task because i believe that he's a very good attacker but then he needs time. He needs time to actually integrate and actually get used to the league. But for him to live up to the the price tag, maybe he can, maybe he can't. But then that is football now. And it is not his fault that he was bought for that much. Another player who has been a laughing stock on social media after the Community Shield is Norwegian striker Ellen Allen for the cities that he missed in that game. What do you make of Ellen Allen in the Manchester City setup for this season? And do you think he can live up to expectations playing in the Premier League? Yeah, definitely. I, I believe that he is he's a kind of player who's actually who's who's um who is someone or he's someone who can actually also live up to the expectations because this draws me back to the um, the under twenty World Cup with which he featured in, and he was in the same group with um, uh, Darwin Nunes' side of Uruguay, and in that and in that um, in in that tournament, um, they started when they started. Norway faced Uruguay first, and you can you can tell that Ellen Haaland was a bit unsettled in that game, but then Uruguay actually took the game to them and actually beat them by about three goals to one with with which um, Nunes scored a very wonderful strike. But then 
Um, I think in the last group game, Ellen Haaland came into the fold and actually scored a record nine goals in one game. And that and that was what put him on the map because even before that, he was actually a bit in the spotlight. But that nine goal game, that nine goal game from him at the youth level was what put him up there. So for me, I just I just think that it is um it is it is it is just normal for a new signing who has just played only a game for Manchester City to actually be be still not he would he will be someone who will not look like um the player we see him to be but then he would he's someone who needs time to actually um get into get into the get into his rhythm and be able to fire up because because once because once you get that kind of rhythm in the Pep Guardiola side, there's probably no stopping you. And we all know that Haaland doesn't need a lot of touches to actually impact the game because he's a very wonderful striker. He's powerful. And even and, and even though there were a lot of trolls on social media, I believe for me, he didn't have the best of games, but he actually had quite a decent game. But then I know that with time, Ellen Haaland will actually be one of the most fierce strikers in the English Premier League. Tomorrow, Arsenal begin the campaign against Crystal Palace away. And Liverpool will also go away to Fulham in London. And then Chelsea will take on Everton in the Merseyside game with Manchester United taking on Brighton at Old Trafford and West Ham United hosting Manchester City. First, Arsenal have made very good signings this summer. Gabriel Jesus is proving to be a very good signing and a good addition to Mikel Arteta's side. Justin, what are your expectations for Arsenal going into tomorrow's first game of the season? Well, for me, Arsenal, I know that they actually tend to be competitive because if you listen to what their sporting director said Brazilian Edu Gaspar, they have the youngest they have the youngest side or they have the youngest squad in in the Premier League. And even last season where they spent a lot of money, they actually still had the most players under the age of twenty five, with which is also obvious again this season because they've actually signed lots of young players. Uh, Marquinhos from Sao Paulo, Fabio Vieira from um, Porto Materna, who is now coming from um, the MLS, Gabriel Jesus from City, and Alexander Zinchenko from Manchester City. So that shows that they are a team in progress. You could you could tell what they were doing last season, and that also included a late resurgence into the top four race. And you just know that Arsenal and Mikel Arteta would be building on that. So then they would hope for a very, very good beginning to their season um, against a very tough Crystal Palace side who, um, with with this kind of team, usually do not know what you are going to get. But then they are a very talented bunch of young players too there. But then you know that Arsenal probably are the English team who have had the best preseason. So then you, you, just, you just know that Gabriel Jesus alongside his Arsenal squad who will actually be very, very optimistic and probably even do as much as possible to try and challenge for the title this coming season. Definitely. Another team that will be challenging for the title this season is Chelsea. Chelsea this season have had a very topsy-turvy transfer window battling out neck-to-neck with the Catalan side Barcelona. What, first of all, your reaction to what has transpired in terms of the transfer battle between the Spanish side Barcelona and Chelsea? Well, for me, I believe that it is normal. It happens. Um, and, and for me, as as you can tell, you can see that both teams actually um, have the same outlook on, on what they want their squads to be in the near future. So then they are all going for the best of players. And sometimes it just... It just seems a bit dramatic, but then, for me, I think it is normal, and it happens a lot in it happens a lot in the transfer window. But then um, you can tell that even from the words of Thomas Tuchel um, at the end of last season, that Chelsea need to rebuild. They are losing. They've lost two of their very very good and consistent defenders. Lost. Um, they have made 
their um, record signing also leave because he seems to be unhappy in the club and are looking to and are looking to facilitate a lot more outgoings and as you know with their with their um, administrative troubles and takeovers Chelsea have Chelsea now seem to have woken up in terms of um, concluding their transfer businesses now in they are, there's about three weeks into the transfer window and I believe that Chelsea will actually build up because as you can tell, Todd Bowley and the new management are not only strengthening the um, the senior side, but they, they've been buying some players for the women's team and also buy, buy players for the um, youth team in terms of Omari Hutchinson from Arsenal, Eddie Beach from... Uh, from Southampton, Gabriel Slonina from Chicago Fire, Kani Chukwemeka, who was the best player in the under-19 Euro, um, Euros um, from Aston Villa, and also Zach Sturge from Brighton. So then you can tell that Chelsea are actually Chelsea actually have a plan in terms of how they want their squad to be, but it just depends on their transfer targets and how quickly they can persuade their transfer targets to come so that they can be integrated. And as you know, Thomas Tuchel says that his team is actually in the hands to actually close the gap between Manchester City and Liverpool. And I believe that that's what they are going to do this season. They are not necessarily going to gun for the title, but they, they are going to win as much games as possible and try and make the league look or seem a bit more competitive because, as you know, Chelsea do not have the best of finishes, even though they create a very, very good number of chances. Finished third in the English Premier League last season and also finished third in chances most created. Another team that will be looking to make a mark this season is Manchester United. They have a new coach in Eric Ten Hag who has wasted no time in stamping his authority both on and off the field. What are your assessments of Eric Ten Hag's Manchester United? Well, I believe that I believe that Eric Ten Hag has had a quite a difficult start in terms of um in in terms of the in, in terms of the drama that's happening at Manchester United now when he took over uh, the consultancy role that Ralph Ranick was supposed to take had um had been cut short abruptly. For me I believe that that was quite a big mistake from um, on the side of Manchester United and Eric Ten Hag, because if if for me, I believe that Ralph Rangnick, even though he's probably not that much of a good tactician anymore, he's one of the best football directors in Europe right now to have. And I believe that if he had actually stayed on, I believe that United would have conducted business a lot a lot better, and they would have been smoother in terms of how they get their targets because. Um, you can you can tell that Ranfranik has a lot of influence in the way how teams are built. You can look at it from Hoffenheim's side from where Firmino took. Um, he was he had Firmino, Luis Gustavo, Isaac Vosa, and you can look at you can look at the outlook of the RB Leipzig side, the RB um, the RB Salzburg side too. Very very great, very very good, very very good size, and you can and now you can tell how good can tell how good of a good football director he is so i think that losing him was was bad but then they've been able to make a, a decent amount of signings tyron malasia from Feyenoord, um christian erickson as well as lisandro martinez but then again liver uh, master united haven't been able to make their priority signing for me that is in the central midfield because for a team that has been crying for a midfielder for over two to three seasons, they are not doing enough for me in terms of securing a very, very good, a very, very good all-rounded midfielder. And and with the way Ronaldo, with the way Ronaldo too is is, is also acting, I believe that Manchester United need a very, very good attacker to also lead the line and who also be flexible in the kind of in in the in in the kind of way that Everton Hag wants to play. But then Looking at their preseason, United look better in terms of build up the press better. They look quite proactive. Maybe a bit of problems at the goalkeeping side, but then they have been they have they have they have been solid, and you can tell that they actually want to work to reach somewhere. And 
I believe that Manchester United for me will be will be a very very influential team again um, soon. But it is it is it is it is it is the it is the little steps that matter now for the the Mancunian side. Definitely, it is the little steps that matters. And talking of little steps and how it matters from the first game of the season until the last game of the season, every single game truly matters. Mr. Justin Akowa, give us your top four predictions and your top goal scorers and top assists for the Premier League this season, 2022-2023 season. Well, for me, I believe that um, I can see possibly six teams gunning for the top four um, now. Maybe should Chelsea make make some make an um, make an attacking signing, they would for me be in the top four. But for now, they are just outside the top four, and and and, and it looks like currently it's going to be Manchester City, Liverpool. Um, who are who will probably be top two once again, but then with with it is it is all down it is all down to teams like Tottenham. It's all down to teams like Arsenal and Manchester United to actually make the top four race look a bit better. Even even for me, teams like Newcastle and West Ham also have an outside advantage of making the top four. And with a, with the top goal scorers, I'm probably expecting to see Mohamed Salah. I'm expecting to see maybe a striker like Julian Alvarez um, or Ellen Haaland, Darwin Nunes, Harry Kane, um, Hugh Mingson, probably someone like Richarlison also there. And yeah, I believe that I believe that it is it is it is going to be a tight it's going to be a tight probably a tight one this time with Trent Alexander Arnold also fighting with Bruno. And Ericsson and even Kevin De Bruyne are for the top assist makers in the English Premier League. And uh, for that is it for the English Premier League. For French League A in the Trophy des Champs, PSG spanked Nintz 4-0 to win the Trophy des Champs. And uh, for this season, they begin their campaign on Saturday against Clermont Fort all the way against Clement Fort. And then Leon will play Ajaccio also for the stats of the season. Justin, what are your reactions to the Trophy Deschamps results? Lionel Messi was on the score sheet. Neymar was on the score sheet. Sergio Ramos was also on the score sheet for PSG. And uh, PSG was without their star man, Kylian Mbappe, because he was seven a suspend on he's on a suspension, having received three yellow cards from last season, so he didn't feature in that game. What are your assessments of PSG's performance against Nice in the Trophy de Champs? Well, I believe I believe PSG PSG have been very good this preseason, and also they are looking quite good in the. Um, heading into the 2022-2023 season with a quite an imperious performance and you can tell how better they are looking they have a more balanced team going into the going into the new season thanks to Luis Campos who is a brilliant sporting director and also coach new coach Christophe Galtier who who is someone who's actually who's actually looking to impose discipline who is who's, who's looking to impose balance and and also trying to work out a functional system that actually accommodates everybody in this PSG side. You can see some good outgoings. Um, you can see them. You can see Leandro Paredes on the verge of leaving to Juventus. Gini Wijnaldum on the verge of leaving to um, uh, AS Roma. And like, and, and even Gay, um, Idrissa Danage, who is reportedly looking to head return back to Everton. But then you can see some incoming, some brilliant, some brilliant um, midfielders like Vitinha, um, Renato Sanchez, and now with and now with the introduction of Christoph Galtier, it seems like it seems like there is there is quite there is quite um, a, it's quite a safe haven for fresh players in the league and to also move there because Christoph Galtier is a good coach and has coached a lot of 
um, quite a number of good teams and 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 including Liu and Nice. So then I think that also helped players like Hugo Eketike to also move to um, PSG after missing out missing out historically on players like Aurel, um, Aurelian um, Tramini, um Eduardo Camavinga and also Fabinho. So then you can tell that the introduction of Christophe Gautier also has helped them also look good. And I and I believe that for me, the introduction of Nordi Mukiele from RB Leipzig is also a brilliant one because he is someone who's who's a right wing back, a right back and and also plays very well as a right centre back. So then that's a very good addition. Um, and and it will be a very, very good backup to Hakimi. And also look out for cover for Sergio Ramos, who probably went through, um, went through a nightmare of injuries last season. So I believe that even though Christophe Gautier is also asking for about three new signings more, um, I believe that they are actually in the right direction now. Now that Luis Campos has been introduced, and they are actually they are actually building a very very good team. That will be that will be um, a very it will be a great joy to watch coming next season. Probably a contender for the UEFA Champions League as well. What are your top four predictions? A quick one for the French league. Ah, well, for me, I believe that um, Paris Saint Germain um, obviously will be there. Um, uh, for me, I think Marseille will also be there because Marseille have made quite some good signings uh, this season. Um, you could, you could. For me, I could also look at. I'll look at a very, very good battle between Nice, between Monaco, as well as um, Leo this season. And yes, I believe that those three teams will be fighting for the last two places um, in the in the top four. Probably Strasbourg will. Strasbourg would um, look to find a way in also but then I believe that Nice also look good now which with the introduction of Kaspar Schmeichel and Aaron Ramsey in their side too so I believe that this this league on two also looks very quite promising but then PSG will always come out on top in the end most likely with the, with the kind of team we have on paper now definitely PSG would most likely come on top and as always it's been a pleasure coming your way with today's episode of the uefa champions league podcast remember the leagues begin tomorrow with the german bundesliga the premier league starting on saturday the french league starting on saturday the spanish la liga begins on the 12th of august and the italian Serie A also begins the 13th of August and the Champions League will resume Tuesday, the 6th of September 2022. It's been a lovely time coming your way with today's episode of the Champions League. Keep well, be strong and be kind. Remember to always be champions in whatever field of endeavor you find yourself. Until our next episode, it's bye for now.